Welcome to the Sooners Extra Post Game Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with fellow beat writer Justin Martinez, columnist Barry Trammell. After OU's 27 to 14 loss down at uh, McLean Stadium in Waco, and uh, Barry, let's start with you. What was the most shocking thing you saw about uh, the Sooners' performance today? That's a pretty dang good question because I hadn't thought of that. Um, I would say something along the lines of uh, the offensive ineptitude. Um, you know, OU's under 200 yards until that last uh, drive when it was 24 to 7. I didn't see much out of the offense all day. The quarterback struggled to make plays, receivers struggled to make plays. Wasn't a ton of running room. It was just uh, about the most you've seen a, a Lincoln Riley deep offense get shut down, maybe since Tennessee six and a half years ago. Yeah, only 78 rushing yards for the Sooners. They've rushed for, I think, a combined 150 yards over the last two games, their lowest uh, rushing total over uh, consecutive games in the same season since 2012. Caleb Williams uh, struggles, I think, today was probably the most uh, – Surprising thing to me, not that he would struggle. It's a freshman. You you uh, you know that those things are going to happen. I know he, he got his hand stepped on, but really was out of sorts from the the very beginning. Uh, finished at ten and nineteen. A couple of interceptions. Neither of them uh, were very good uh, plays decisions. Uh, the, the the first one, it looked like he had uh, you know Drake Stoops underneath that he could have found for a first down. Wound up. Uh, going uh, to Jaden Hazelwood deeper down the field and uh, threw it into double coverage, got picked off. The other one just uh, looked like he was trying to heave it out of bounds. Uh, Kennedy Brooks sort of gave up on the play, but the uh, Baylor cornerback did not, uh, pulled it down along the sidelines. Um, Just uh, a surprising overall uh, performance from, from Caleb Williams. Uh, what about you, Justin? Yeah, I was going to say just overall how you played in that fourth quarter. You know, this is a, a 10 to 7 game heading into that final frame there. I know you had really made a living this season out of being a team that could not play their best early on and still managed to pull out a win. Um, and they just weren't able to do that today. You know, the defense giving up a lot of big plays in that fourth quarter. The offense, really, with the exception of just a, a late drive there, kind of in what was garbage time didn't do much either so I think just the fact that they weren't able to finish this game strong especially when that had really become part of their identity this season that was really surprising to see yeah OU's first uh, November loss since 2014 uh, puts them in a a very precarious position a couple of other uh, really surprising things to me Uh, Gabe Burkett's performance uh, to to miss not only the two field goals, and, and the first one was, uh, I believe, a 50-yarder. Missed the second one, which was really surprising, which was, I think, a 41-yarder. Uh, 51-40, yeah. Yeah, excuse me, 40-yarder. The first one, 51. Uh, misses wide as well. But it wasn't just that. You know, He kicks uh, the, the, the kickoff uh, to start the second half out of bounds. It gives Baylor another 10 yards. And, uh, you know, for a guy who's been – OU's most uh, reliable kicker, uh, you know, 
all time coming into this game uh, certainly didn't look the part today. Uh, you know, if he makes those field goals, it's whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, Sooners have a lead when the fourth quarter arrives. If they still get that long run, if the Baylor gets to 17, it's 17 13. OU's not as in dire straits. You know, to me, and I thought Justin nailed it. The fourth quarter was stunning how, how OU wilted. It's 10 7, still anybody's game. Baylor gets backed up at their own 17 to start the fourth quarter, and a, uh, a, uh, Abram Smith wheels off a 75-yard run. That's where the game tilted. From that point on, it was all Baylor. They were, you know, they were, uh, they were a downhill machine from there, and you know, the Sooners had no answer. No, they really didn't. And uh, afterwards, Alex Grinch talked about how they let that 75-yard run from Abram Smith sort of uh, linger and let it uh, beat him continuously uh, throughout the rest of the fourth quarter. And that certainly seemed to be the case. The Sooners never really recovered from that, uh, never uh, you know, got their footing back under him defensively. After, heck, Justin, the defense really kept the Sooners in this game for, for long stretches. There's a lot of like uh, bend, almost break, but don't quite get there. Um, all day for the Sooners, but that defense had played really well through three quarters, and then uh, you know the wheels just came off there late. Yeah, I mean, if this game ended at the end of three quarters, I I think they would have gotten a pretty good grade from Barry in his column. Uh, just the the defense in general, you know, I I thought they played pretty well just leading up down the stretch there. But like you said, it seemed like like Baylor was a team that just wanted it more down the stretch. They were the team that was looking for the upset. And OU just wasn't able to put it together. Yeah, it, it certainly uh, it, not necessarily shocking that uh, Baylor would win this game. Certainly Baylor being 13 coming in, OU 8. It's no massive upset here, but sort of really surprising the way it happened, especially after Chandler Morris, a uh, uh, Sooners cast off, just uh, absolutely carved them up uh, a, a week ago. But I, I think that speaks to Dave Aranda's uh, defensive mind. He clearly made uh, some significant adjustments from last week to this, and uh, you know the Sooners could never adjust back uh, to to get into a, a spot where they could do much offensively. Uh, Barry, how much concern are you about uh, Kennedy Brooks's production over the last couple of games? Do you think that's just a function of uh, you know what defenses have done to try to? slow the Sooners down and certainly try to slow not only him, but Caleb Williams down in the running game, uh, things like that. Or is there something deeper going on here? Well, I mean, I think, you know, OU wasn't running the ball great early in the year. And I think it's not a great run blocking team. The Sooners, they caught a little wind with Caleb Williams immersion uh, in the passing game. But this is still not a vintage OU passing game. We saw that today. And I think teams are scheming to stop the run, not just Kennedy Brooks, but you mentioned Caleb Williams. You know, he's got, he's got the wheels to do it too, and it, it's not happening. And until the Sooners can, can come out and just, you know, start zipping the ball through the air close to what, the way they used to, I don't think that running game is going to uh, excite anybody. So – 
um, to me, that's the that's the key. And Lincoln seemed to indicate that when he brought in Spencer Rattler. You know, you, you don't bring in Rattler and try to run the ball. You're going to you're going to fling it. And Rattler had a chance. You know, he had a couple of passes that had a couple of good completions. He also had a deep ball that should have been caught. Taylor guy ripped it out of Michael Woods hands uh, on a beautifully long deep ball. So to me, the lack of the passing game has, has impacted the running game quite a bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Barry, or, or excuse me, Justin, um, how surprised were you when Lincoln Riley, or were you surprised when Lincoln Riley pulls the trigger and puts uh, Spencer Rattler uh, back in there late in the third quarter in a tight game. It was 10, seven at the time. Uh, obviously Caleb Williams had struggled, but um, fans here started chanting, you know, we want Spencer uh, a little bit. I'm not sure, you know, how much uh, Baylor fans were joining in on that. Probably a, a pretty fair amount, but uh, we got to see Spencer Rattler in crunch time really for the first time uh, in, in a, a significant moment since uh, the two-point conversion against Texas not long after he'd been benched. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because, like you said, it was it was 10-7 at the time. Um, obviously, Caleb Williams hadn't played great. He had two interceptions uh, at that moment. But I think a big part of it was just it looked like Caleb was clearly shaken up when he got his hand stepped on. Um, and I think maybe that's the reason why they decided to put Spencer in there because – not only was he not playing well, but also maybe he wasn't playing at full strength. I think maybe that is what led to Spencer coming in. So it was a little bit surprising. Um, and I just, I'm not, obviously, we're not rooting for any teams here, but I, I do tend to root a little bit for storylines. It would have been a great storyline had Spencer Adler come in and been able to connect on that first deep bomb to Michael Woods and been able to lead them to a touchdown or something like that. It was a little disappointing in the city. He wasn't able to capitalize. Obviously, he ended up getting benched again. Uh, in favor of Caleb Williams on the stretch. So, yeah, just an interesting uh, turn of events there for Rattler to get some PT. But I do think that Caleb Williams' hand is something that's got to be monitored uh, these next few days. Yeah. Think about this, and think about this, guys. Even if that was the reason, Lincoln's not going to tell us. He doesn't want <laughs> he, he doesn't want Iowa State to know it for next Saturday. Caleb Williams has a, has a bad hand. So – I mean, I can see where, even if that is the truth, why Lincoln would say it wasn't. So, uh, and it's not like we can even talk to Caleb. Forward. Right. Yeah, yeah we so can't even talk to Caleb. Something to keep in mind going forward is, is that hand. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Barry, though, you know, he brings in Spencer Rattler immediately. They take a shot downfield, uh, try to go to, to Michael Woods. Um, uh, Baylor. His defender, I know a lot of OU fans were fired up after that play. That there should have been a pass interference call. It looked like he got, he did get his right arm uh, wrapped around Woods' right arm. Heck, Woods almost uh, made the catch still, which uh, you know was funny thinking back to the last touchdown pass Spencer Rattler threw a couple weeks ago against Texas Tech, where Brian Darby uh, was was interfered with and was able to haul it in, but. Uh, what did you think about that play? And it just, um, you know, you thought for a split second, and I, I sort of led my story with this, that, hey, maybe we do have this, you know, storybook thing going on here. And then it all came crashing down really quickly. 
Yeah, I thought it was interference. He grabbed his arm. Hard to catch the ball when somebody's got your arm. But um, that was the key. Even if you get an interference there, it's not a 45-yard game. It's a 15-yard penalty. So um, I think Sooners just needed a big play and never got one. Passing game just never produced anything of substantial nature. And uh, I thought it was a good call by Lincoln to put in Rattler. I thought it was worth the risk. I thought, you know, trying to unlock the passing game might, you know, might work. I didn't know if it would. I thought Rattler threw pretty well. But the Baylor pass rush seemed to get better as it went on. I think five sacks today. Total. Yeah, five sacks, three of Williams, yeah. two of Rattler. Yeah, so, you know, they got after him pretty good. So it, it was a risk. Rattler, you know, can't evade the rush like Williams can, but uh, it, it was worth the try. It just didn't work. Yeah, I, I think it was the right move to try to to go through that. Then, although, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler sacked a, a couple plays later. That drive goes three and out, and then uh, Rattler's other uh, drive, I thought, sort of magnified the reasons why you want Caleb Williams in, even with a bum hand over uh, uh, Spencer Rattler. As uh, you know, Spencer Rattler gets a chance to to, to run out uh, there. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, the, the uh, first and ten play uh, from the Baylor 45. As OU starts to move the ball down the field a little bit after a couple of Rattler completions, and uh, Rattler gets flushed out of the pocket. You know, it feels like that was a play that you know Caleb Williams could have turned into a first down. Instead, it just turns into a one yard gain. And that uh, momentum quickly fizzled as Rattler was sacked again a couple plays later. And, uh, you know, by the time OU got the ball back, there's less than four minutes left. And uh, the, the Sooners are trailing by 17. And they just never got anything going offensively. That's just the truth. Um, it was, even when it was going semi-well, it didn't go well. And until it was 24-7, and then sense of urgency kicked in, and they got a little bit, you know, they got a little bit going. So, uh, just here's what's scary to me, guys, for, for OU's perspective. I mean, I think the better team won. I mean, I don't – there's nothing flukish about this about this game. Baylor was executed better, was more physical made more plays. Baylor's quarterback made more plays than the two OU quarterbacks. I mean, there's not – they won the kicking game. There's just not much to say it's a game OU could have won. You know, they've won, they've won a lot of games they could have lost this year. This was not a game they could have won. This was a game they were destined to lose playing the way they played. Yeah, I mean, even when it was close, uh, they're late, it felt like uh, a bigger margin because of the way the teams were playing. Uh, th- than it was, uh, you know, honestly, probably OU's uh, MVP today was probably Michael Turk with uh, with a uh, 53-yard average, uh, you know, a, a, an incredible day for him uh, there, but uh, just a rough day uh, for the Sooners all around. Got to talk about a couple things here before we end it. Uh, first of all, Justin, the ending there where, uh, you know, Baylor uh, cuts or, uh, excuse me, OU had, uh, you know, cut the lead to, to 10 
but you pretty much knew this game was about to be over. Baylor picks up a first down on a, a, a penalty after Baylor had made a field goal. And uh, instead of just running, kneeling out the clock like they could have, uh, Dave Aranda calls a timeout with three seconds left. The Baylor line storms onto the field. And uh, as the PA announcer is trying to get the field cleared, still people coming on. Uh, you know, certainly uh, OU's Lincoln Riley didn't have any desire to have his team back out there for another play. But, uh, you know, it, it certainly got heated a little bit there in the closing seconds. And it looked for a second like Lincoln Riley wouldn't let his team go out there uh, for another play. Yeah, pretty crazy sequence. Uh, first, I do want to say Brian Osamoa, I think another candidate for MVP tonight. I thought he did really well uh, replacing Deshaun White with the 10 tackles, the fumble uh, force. But, yeah, that ending was, was definitely um, – we want to. Okay, cool. Should I just start up on that again? On that? No, I mean just keep talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I that ending was definitely was definitely something. Um, it was just it was real interesting to see that. You know, I I just thought it was interesting how the crowd had to wait on the sideline because there's no way they're getting back into their seats. Like you're not going to tell a couple thousand people to get back into their seats. So the fact that they're on the sideline and Lincoln Riley is essentially standing on the field during that field goal is is crazy to me um and then just the whole mess afterwards because obviously they're storming the field they gotta try to get their guys off the field in the process it was just a lot going on um can't say I've ever seen that or heard of that happening for sure yeah it was wild uh, what about you Barry what'd you what'd you make of that last sequence what and what did you think about Lincoln Riley's explanation afterwards and and Dave Aranda's explanation afterwards? Well, I mean, one of two things is true about Dave Aranda. Either he's an idiot and doesn't know the rules. Uh, I mean, coaches, college football coaches are control freaks. They they know everything about going on in their program and all the minutia and all that stuff. So if he doesn't know the Big 12 tiebreaker procedure, then he's an idiot. More likely, he does know it, and he just kicked field goal for, you know, to, to throw meat to the Lions who were who were chanting SEC. I can, you know, I can support the fans mocking the Sooners, SEC, SEC. That's what you deserve. But that, you know, that, that was really – the field goal was inexcusable. I mean, he didn't do that for the tiebreaker procedure. So, I thought, I thought it was pretty low class. I thought it was pretty low class. Especially, yeah. especially after what we saw with right. the crowd running on the field and all that. I mean, at that point, you just you just take a knee and, and go to the house. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing if uh, you know the the fans hadn't stormed on the field. Yeah, maybe some Baylor folks go on the field. OU players come out to shake hands and they go back to their sidelines. But with the fans coming onto the field like that, yeah, at that point, just you know, calm everything down take a knee, um, you know, not uh, that that tiebreaker isn't going to come into the equation here based on what uh, what's laid out in front of, you know, all these teams. So just a, an unfortunate end to what was a, a big time win by Baylor, like Barry said, just as, you know, sort of dominated uh, all, all facets of this game and controlled the things. 
Uh, Barry, the other thing wanted to touch on uh, real quick before we go was the uh, unfortunate end of Caleb Kelly's OU career. And here's a guy who came in as a five-star, uh, you know, made some flashes back uh, in the Bob Stoops era uh, back a long time ago. I mean, heck, you think about that Sugar Bowl game uh, down in Auburn with the performance that he had and then um, suffered several injuries that uh, sort of uh, extended his career in a way because he got to get more years out of it, but uh, limited his amount of times on the field and was a really good story this year as he transformed from that, that five-star guy who was uh, you know thought of to be one of the keys to the defense into a role player at that, uh, you know, backup uh, Nick Benito at that rush linebacker spot. We saw him, at, you know, a decent amount of times uh, the last couple games, and then a, a big time special teams contributor and gets hurt. Apparently, blows out his knee on uh, on a repunt after yet another OU penalty on the day, and just a really unfortunate way to end uh, Caleb Kelly's career. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. The guy's been nothing but a class act for the Sooners. As you said, it goes back to Bob Stoops. He played for Bob Stoops for crying out loud. It's getting harder and harder to remember those days. So um, it's unfortunate. And the irony is he got hurt on a play that didn't need to happen. You know, repunt because the Sooners couldn't, couldn't get right at the right formation. So it's just unfortunate. Um, but he had a wonderful career. He did a lot of great things. Made a lot of made a lot of impact on on the program, I believe. So um, he can he can go out with his head held high. Yeah. So uh, today, barring something crazy that we don't expect, uh, was the last time a player who actually played for Bob Stoops uh, made it on the field uh, for the Sooners. I guess unless you consider uh, last year's Baylor week during practice when Bob Stoops was a DB's coach, but. Uh, as far as playing for Bob Stoops in a game, uh, Caleb Kelly was the last uh, last man standing there as uh, the, the other uh, six, six-year guys, uh, you know, hadn't, uh, hadn't appeared in a game uh, way back then. Um, real quick, guys, uh, where does OU go from here? Uh, Justin, do, do you feel like they still have a chance? at making the playoff at all and uh you know what does this outlook look like here with uh two uh, pretty tough games coming up at home against iowa state who is uh in a dog fight right now against texas tech and uh on the road in stillwater against oklahoma state yeah i mean they they definitely went from being in the driver's seat controlling their own destiny to now it's you know, it's it's not going to be as easy without a doubt. It doesn't even help, especially that Iowa State is coming up next and most likely they're going to end up losing to Texas Tech tonight. You know, the thing that could have helped them out is, okay, their next two games are really high-profile games. If they get through that and they win the Big 12 title, then, you know, that could strengthen their case. But the fact now this Iowa State game, if they were to beat them, probably isn't going to look as impressive as much. Um, it's just – it's it's an uphill battle now in order to get um, – to the college football playoff. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, this, this loss was a big one. By, by the way, uh, you know, by the time this podcast posts, this game will be over, but slow down with that, uh, 
bearing Iowa State talk, Justin, because they are uh, flirting with the edge of field goal territory here, uh, down by three with three three minutes left. Uh, so you know we'll see how that game ends. Uh, what about you, Barry? What how do you feel like your outlook for the Sooners changed with not only the loss but the way that they played today? And do they have any realistic shot to get uh, you know back in the playoff hunt? Oh, I mean, you, you always have a shot when you only have one loss, but they need a lot of help, and the help starts in their locker room. They don't need other teams' help as much as they need to help themselves. The uh, you know the playoff committee kept telling us OU had not been playing well, had not played a tough schedule, was was having difficulty with that schedule, and danged if they go out and don't prove the committee correct. So that's where the help comes from: is try to beat Iowa State, try to beat OSU. This is a team that has now played uh, one really good team, and you know they got whacked pretty good. So through ten games, they're sort of who they set. You know, this is who they are. So you know they don't need to find their footing. They've they've never really blossomed. So just getting to the Big Twelve Championship game is going to be a, a major task. You know, they they don't need to think about the four team playoff. They need to think about the two team Big Twelve playoff. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that, that OU has uh, their biggest problems are internal, need to uh, turn things around. But we'll see how they're able to do that uh, next week, like I said, at home against Iowa State, an 11 a.m. kick at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium in the Sooners' final home game of the year. Uh, We're going to wrap it up here from McLean Stadium in Waco, where again uh, on Saturday – uh, number 13 Baylor knocks off the Sooners 27 to 14. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week uh, to recap uh, the Sooners game against Iowa State. Until then, you can check out our work every morning in the Oklahoma and every day at Oklahoma.com for the best OU coverage interview.